Jesus said the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now think about that. God trusted us with his property. To some he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. That means we are God's money managers. Furthermore, Jesus is coming back to settle accounts with us. So what are you doing with the measure God has entrusted to you? Are you using His resources to grow His kingdom? On the day Jesus returns, some will hear, You wicked and slothful servant. Others will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of much. Now enter into the joy of your master. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Always glad to have you with us. Would you like to hear Jesus say those words to you at the end of the age? If so, stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Matthew chapter 25, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Faithful to the End. And again, I could go to many, many places in Scripture. I'll just go one place, Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1 that lays down this principle. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's just a, an all-encompassing and sweeping statement to say it all belongs to God. Uh, even the mineral rights of the earth, I say. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8, the Lord says the silver and the gold is mine too. All right? He claims title deed to this earth. His wealth is un, unfathomable and unsearchable and, and inexhaustible. And you and I have been entrusted with a little bit of it. Even if you're a five-talent person, it's just a little, bit of, a little bit of money compared to God's wealth. Uh, there's an old saying that uh, there's a lot of money in this world that's tainted. Taint yours and it taint mine. <laughs> that's true. Taint none of it ours. That's the biblical worldview, to see yourself not as an owner, uh, but as a steward, and to understand, therefore, that every financial decision is a spiritual decision. It's a kingdom decision. It's an eschatological response. God, you have entrusted this with me. Now, in light of the fact that you are coming again, Father, how do you want me to manage your resources? so that we can maximize the impact of the gospel until you come. That's the question here. We are God's money managers. Second principle that emerges is this. God expects a return on his investment. <laughs> Look at it in verse 19. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. That's a sobering thought. 
Again, it ought to make us think twice about every financial decision that we make. Are we making it in light of the spiritual realities that we just talked about? Are, are we making it in light of the second coming of Christ? I, I know you have your family to take care of, and so do I. I know you have bills to pay, and so do I. But have you so arranged your financial management so as to put kingdom things first as a matter of priority? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? Check it out in Matthew chapter 6. All those things we worry about, the clothes on our back, the food, all the things that we're just scurrying around, worrying about every day. He says, put me first. Have you put him first in your finances? As, as a response to this understanding, he's coming at any time. And when he comes, God expects a return on his investments. Now, does he expect a return like a Wall Street investor, you know, a financial return? No. Shift into kingdom thinking here. The return on the investment in the kingdom is a changed life. Somebody who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. How? Because of a direct investment that you made or I made in gospel initiatives, starting with the church. Uh, you know, people get all nervous when the preacher talks about money. And uh, we, we, we tense up and, oh, here we go again. By the way, I'm just, I'm just telling you what Jesus told in the flow of Matthew 24 and 25 here. I can't skip over this. But there's no reason to to get tense about it. Uh, the, the, the question is, is, are we being faithful with what God has given to us? And are we, are we managing that money in a way knowing that the day of accounting is coming? By the way, there's a day of judgment that awaits unbelievers. And we're going to get to that next week. Jesus finishes out this Olivet conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 25. In verses 31 to the end of the chapter, he talks about the final judgment. Strap onto your seats because it's a sobering part of the conversation here where he talks about at the end of the age, the final judgment and the separation of the sheep from the goats. It doesn't end well for the goats, all right? But we're not there yet. But there is a day of judgment that awaits unbelievers. There is a day of accounting for believers in Jesus Christ. And when he comes, if I could just stretch the analogy a little bit, heaven's accounting team is coming, and they're going to open up the books, your books and my books, and they're going to settle the accounts with us. Have you been faithful with what God has entrusted to you? Faithful to, as a matter of first priority, invest in the kinds of gospel initiatives that produce a return on the investment. Here in the language of the uh, parable, it's, you know, the guy who had five created five more. The guy who had two, two more. Okay? Lives that have changed. Will there be anybody in heaven that will come up to you and say, thank God that you gave generously? Because I was a life that was changed as a result of the outreach of that ministry. I mentioned earlier, today is the day, the 39th anniversary of Atlantic Shores Baptist Church. Most of us, if not all of us, there are some of you who were here at the very beginning, but most of us are here because of an investment, a financial investment that other people made to start this church. And your life was changed 
perhaps through the ministry of this church, or you came to this church as a believer and you're growing in your faith because somebody else paid for that seat. Somebody else paid for these buildings. Somebody else at their time reached forward to what lies ahead. They made a gospel investment. And aren't you glad they did? Will there be anybody who comes up to you in heaven and says, I'm here because of a gospel investment that you made? Now, by the way, let me just go back to this notion of the talent, because I might have lost some of you at that time when I said a talent is a large sum of money. Some of you might have checked out right there and said, ah, this really doesn't apply to me. I'm not a wealthy person. Uh, Let me beg to differ with you. Because a large sum of money can be at any given time. Maybe you have a lot of money in your bank account, and if God has blessed you with that, you know, hey, use it for kingdom purposes. But uh, maybe it's a large sum of money over a long period of time. So do the math. Let's suppose you started earning a living at age 25, and you earn $25,000 a year. You work for 40 years until you're 65. Do the math. One million dollars passed through your hands. Now, $25,000 is not much today. It might even be below the poverty level. I remember many, many decades ago when I graduated from college, my first job out of college, I was, went to work for a Fortune 500 company in the paper industry, and I was in New York City. They paid me a whopping $22,000 a year. Uh, yeah, that seemed like a lot of money for a college graduate back then. They had to subsidize our housing in New York, but, but still, that's not much by today's standards. But Okay, so double that. Maybe on average for 40 years, $50,000 a year has come into your household. That's a lot of money passing through our hands over a lifetime. Here's the question of the story. What are you doing with that? When the master returns and settles accounts, and opens up the books, and numbers don't lie, do they? He's going to ask, what have you done with the money that I've entrusted to you that has impacted the kingdom of God? And two of them were found faithful. One was found unfaithful. We might say lacking in faith. Why? Because he said, I was scared. And I took the one talent, that measure of a large sum of money, and I stuck it in the ground. And the response that comes to him is a very harsh response. The master speaks to him like he's an unbeliever and casts him into a place of outer darkness. You see, a glimpse inside your financial life and my financial life says something about our relationship with God. It certainly, you know, you can't buy your way into heaven. I'm not suggesting that, but it says something about whether you have made that transition from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality, and it might even suggest whether you're a believer in the first place, because I believe in time, if not immediately, And it was immediate with a guy named Zacchaeus, study his story, but in time, certainly, that transition should take place. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, used to say that in salvation, there's the conversion of the mind, the intellect, the conversion of the heart, you know, our emotions and all that. And what often lags behind much longer is the conversion of the wallet and the prioritizing. But but it's, it's some indication, at least in the story, that this guy, because of the way he was unfaithful in the management of his resources. He wasn't managing his money with an understanding the master was coming back. 
and he was an unbeliever. That's a sobering thought. We all have to um, check ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith, that we are in the faith. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a special gift of our own. The complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. That's What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. A teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones and for a limited time, our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now from Matthew 25, here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Faithful to the End. So we are God's money managers. Let me move on. God expects a return on his investment. Thirdly and finally, God will reward the faithful. All right, I love this part. Let's just go to verse 23. He says to the man with five talents, we'll just uh, land upon on this interaction. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, here it is, over a little. <laughs> now, he had the largest portion, right? He had the most money entrusted to him. But from heaven's perspective, it was still a little thing. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He rewards the faithful, not the successful. Let's draw a distinction between the two. On earth, faithfulness is underrated. All right, we talk about success. Have you been successful? But not in the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you let the measure of success and the results up to God. Our job is to remain faithful day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, decade after decade throughout our lifetime to be faithful to the end. What is underrated on earth is highly rated in heaven because God is faithful, right? It's one of his characteristics. He is faithful when we are not faithful. And he cannot lie against himself, the scripture says. There are three rewards that I see in this uh, little bit of conversation. Let's write these down. First are words of affirmation. I love this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't underestimate the power of words of affirmation. Some of you grew up in a home where you never heard your mother or your father or anybody say, good job. And you're still living with that, that thing that's missing in your life, that affirmation that comes from a parent. Uh, employers, don't, don't underestimate just the power of, you know, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. It just, it just kind of lifts us to a new level. When Jesus was baptized early on in his ministry, you remember the story? The Bible says that as he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended from the heavens and, and those in attendance heard a voice 
the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's a Father's Day message in that. But words of affirmation. Uh, we, we, we live to hear these words from our Heavenly Father, from Jesus even when He returns. Well done. Good job. I know it's been a struggle. I know it always hasn't been easy, but you've remained faithful to the end. You've put me first in your life and first in your finances all the way to the end. Good job. Well done. Words of affirmation. Secondly, greater responsibility. That's part of the reward. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. <laughs> I can hear what some people are saying. Now, pastor, I don't want more responsibility in my life. No, you do in heaven. We're not going to just be floating on clouds, you know, strumming our harps in heaven. No, we will worship like we've never worshiped before. We will work with purpose and intention and experience fulfillment in the work that God gives to us and the responsibility that He gives to us. We will do that joyfully and with great fulfillment. And it is a reward in heaven for the Lord to say, this little thing called money that was such a big thing to you in your life. No, I, I, it's just a little thing. It was a test. It was a trust. Well done with that. that you know, great job investing that in gospel initiatives. And, and, and look at your reward here of these people who are in heaven because of your investment. Because you were faithful in this little thing, I've got all this that I want you to be responsible for. And then lastly, I just call it celestial joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. The door opens up. And we walk into heaven. And we experience uh, joy like we've never experienced it anywhere in this life. Celestial joy. It's It's, it's heaven. What, what a reward system. You know, we have all kinds of credit cards and different things where we get rewards for this hotel or, you know, this rental car or this airplane rewards. God has a reward system too. And there's much more to it than just this. He loves to reward the faithful. There's a day of judgment that awaits unbelievers, a day of accounting that awaits believers. I understand that to be what's called the judgment seat of Christ. There's the great white throne judgment at the end of the age for unbelievers. But the judgment seat of Christ where rewards will be handed out. And uh, this is certainly part of it. Uh, the other principle that we can apply to the one man who took his one talent, buried it in the ground, it was kind of a use it or lose it prospect, wasn't it? He wasn't faithful. He wasn't full of faith. He was full of fear. And what he was entrusted with was eventually taken away from him, redistributed over here. And the Bible says in verse 30, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, a language that is used elsewhere to describe the place of eternal punishment a place called hell. That weeping and gnashing of teeth is just the ongoing regret. The regret. I heard the message over and over and over again. 
I just didn't do anything about it. And they live with that regret, not only the regret of not being found faithful, but the regret of rejecting Christ for all of eternity. That doesn't have to be our future, does it? Um, The message today is be faithful. Be faithful. Some of you have been doing a great job of that. You, you, You figured this out years ago in your Christian life. For others of you, this may be brand new. And maybe you need to sit down as a couple or even as an individual and reorder some priorities in your finances and begin investing as a matter of priority in gospel initiatives. You do that, I promise you this, God will take care of the rest of it. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added unto you. Order your finances in, in, a, in a kingdom direction and pray, even so come Lord Jesus. Are you ready? All right, that was last week's story. Will you be found faithful? That's this week's story. Next week as we finish, we'll talk about the final judgment. A very sobering message on which Jesus ends. God hasn't called you to be successful the way the world defines success. Instead, He has asked you to be faithful the way He defines faithfulness. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Faithful to the End. Let's bring in Dr. Ron Jones to talk further about the difference between success and faithfulness. Ron, how do you think our culture can adversely impact our approach to the role we have here on earth? Brian, I think it has the potential to greatly influence us. You know, the Bible tells us that bad company corrupts good morals. Well, in a way, we can sometimes spend too much time in the company of the media, the entertainment industry, uh, just the culture in general. And the vast majority of messages we get from those sources are diametrically opposed to God's Word. Social media might be the worst of all. Facebookology or Twitterology have very little in common with biblical theology. Who are our friends on social media? Who do we follow? What messages are we listening to? Whose voice do we hear most often? These are critical questions because even a mature believer in Christ can get sidetracked if he or she spends too much time in the company of the wrong voices. For example, in this particular moment in United States history, Christians might be tempted to devote too much energy to political and social issues and not enough on the Great Commission. We might be successful in preserving America's Judeo-Christian values while at the same time ignoring the spiritual needs of those around us. It's critical, perhaps now more than ever, to keep our eye on the ball. Faithfulness to God and His Great Commission should always take priority over what the world defines as success. Whether that success is monetary, vocational, political, or social, the primary calling for us as believers in Christ is to lead people to Jesus. And if we're not careful, the voices we hear and the company we keep can cause us to lose our focus. Now, Brian, let me say one thing in closing. I am so thankful for our listeners and our donors. And today, Thanksgiving Day, I want to make a point to say that out loud, right here on air. I want all of you to know how much I value you. And I also want you to know that you're having a profound impact for Christ in this world through your prayers, your financial support, and simply by being a Something Good Radio listener. 
And we're thankful for you as well, Ron, for your faithfulness and your leadership. Well, before we let you go, Ron wants to tell us where he's headed next as he continues his teaching series, What on Earth is Happening? Examining the Prophecies of Jesus. Yes, thanks, Brian. Uh, Well, there's one more message left in this series, and in many ways I've saved the best and the worst for last. Because when Christ returns, there will be a judgment, a glorious day for believers in Christ. But for those who rejected him, it will be a sad day, a day in which they are eternally separated from God. Now, most people understand the concept of a future judgment, but there are actually three judgments mentioned in biblical prophecy. I'll talk about all three of them over the next couple of days. I hope you'll join us. It all comes your way tomorrow in Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Judgment of the Sheep and the Goats. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.